Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Curry takes it near side. Comes out, drives in, throws out to Iguodala. In rhythm, it's a three, and it's good! 48-40, and the Warriors using the three ball and brought Miami's lead back down to single digits. Trailing by 21. Plenty of time left, 619 to go third. Curry, off a screen, splits traffic down the lane. Left-hand scoop, no good, jam home by David Lee. 103 to go, LeBron with four on the shot clock, dribbles on Clay, takes a three over Clay and knocked it down. Wow. Heat lead 107-105, LeBron's got 32. 52 seconds to go, Curry drives on Chalmers, thinks, fires a 15-footer, ties the game at 107. What a contest tonight at Oracle, one away to finish up the first half. 43 seconds to go and the Warriors are tied with the world champions. Curry lets the ball roll, picks it up. Down the near wing he goes. Guarded by Chalmers. Here comes the lead screen. He rejects the screen. Steps back. Dribbles middle down. Goes up. Got fouled and banked it home! Curry! 14.6 to go. The Warriors lead 109-108. And Steph heads to the free throw line. They'll dribble down the near wing. Chalmers gets it to LeBron. Here we go. Warriors up two. Seven seconds to go. LeBron middle of the floor dribbling on Iguodala. Waiting. Three seconds. Two seconds. Takes a three at the horn. And it's good with point one to go. LeBron James nails a three over Iguodala. 111 to 110 Miami. Kind of feels like I'm still there. An exciting contest last night with the Warriors took on the Miami Heat. LeBron James with that game-winning bucket. And the Heat win 111-110. to Just a fabulous NBA game. Warriors have nothing to hang their heads about in that one. It was just a, a tremendous basketball game. Glad you were with us on KBR 680 and the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, inviting you once again to take a seat around the roundtable. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to start off with Harrison Barnes to talk about his participation in All-Star Weekend and his improved play off the bench of late. We'll also hear from the incoming commissioner of the National Basketball Association. That is Adam Silver. We'll talk a little bit about David Stern's legacy and then also what's going to be on Silver's docket in the first few months of his NBA tenure. On Warriors Vox, we'll answer your questions about the NBA and the Golden State Warriors as well as part of our conversation with Michael Wilbon of ESPN and PTI. Then later on in the hour, a pleasure to welcome Hall of Famer and former interim Warriors head coach Bob Lanier. He was in town this week to hand off an award to Steph Curry, the Kia Community Assist Award for the month of January. We'll talk about Bob Lanier's work with NBA charities and reflect back on his Hall of Fame career in the NBA. It's all this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable here on KMBR 680, the sports leader, and we will get it started with our conversation with Harrison Barnes after this time out. Back with more on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads a three on two, finds Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. 
Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Hey, Warrior fans, the on-court shootout is back. Renew your season tickets tonight and be automatically entered for a chance to compete in the on-court shootout during select Warriors home games. It's a chance to win up to $12,500 in cash. Call one gsw hoop and press 1 to renew your season tickets by March 17th and save. No purchase necessary to enter or win. I'm Tim Roy, joined now by Warriors uh, swingman Harrison Barnes, and it's great to have you on the show. And and uh, it seems like Harrison Barnes is kind of getting back uh, to Harrison Barnes with your your play of late. <laughs> I appreciate that, Tim. Just trying to you know pick my spots, trying to be aggressive, trying to help the team win. You know, it's it, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, so I'm going to ask you this question: Is this the first time in your life? that you have gone through a long stretch of games coming off the bench? No question. I mean, I've never really um, come off the bench like I had this season, and it's been great just to, you know, go through an experience where, you know, you've had to learn how to play differently. You've had to come off the bench and, you know, be, you know try to impact the game very quickly, and it's definitely made me work on my game a lot. Now, when you come off the bench, there is a – there's an art to it, though. There, it's a, it's an acquired skill. It's it's not something that that every guy can do. There have been many players in this league who, once they warm up before the game, if you sat them down, they couldn't get back into a rhythm of a game. So, so my question is, how do you how do you make that adjustment? No, I and I completely agree. I mean, at first it, it took a little while, but you know, you just gotta you gotta be a loaded gun out there. You know, you can't. You can't have any slow starts. You have to come into the game. You know, you may be put on the best player. You may be put in, you know, different types of situations based on foul trouble. So you just got to be ready to go. And the game against Philadelphia shows how, you know, a bench player can carry you uh, in a game with uh, with Mo Spates. What about that little crossover dribble move by Mo the other night? How about that? Whew, I mean, he was just getting to his bag a little bit, Tim. I mean, he's got a lot more there. <laughs> Might see a little bit of that tomorrow. Oh, that was that was pretty sweet, though. He, he boy, what happens when you, a player like that? I'm sure you've had a night, uh, many nights like that. W- w- you know, what point do you realize, hey, this this is going really well. I need to get the ball and 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 get some shots up or make some moves. At what point do you realize that it's going to be your night? Probably, you know, somewhere within those first couple of shots. You know, I just, you know, I'm so happy, obviously, for Mo, just because you know he's put in so much time in this game and. You know, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's an up and down season. So for him to just go out there and have the night that he did, you know, I was I was obviously extremely happy for him. Yeah, it's interesting to to watch it. And and one of the things that we try to remind our listeners on Warriors Radio is that you know every player in this league is in the league for a reason. And every player in the league has an ability that if you you know if they get going, you know they can they can fill up the basket or impact the game in, in a huge way. And and they're very happy for Mo and his career high the other night against Philadelphia. Let's talk, talk about your game. And, and what kind of things are you able to work on uh, during the course of a season? And, of course, during the NBA season, you don't get all that much practice time. So what kind of things can you work on? Well, I don't, well, don't want to sound too vague and say everything, but uh, there's just obviously so much you can work on. You can always work on, you know, spot-up shooting and threes. You know, obviously we shoot a lot of threes and, you know, with Steph being able to draw so much attention, with Clay being able to draw so much attention, you know, there's always a lot of wide-open shots. But also just attacking. You know, I know that, you know, a lot of my shots are going to be, you know, at the rim, whether it's on post-ups or, you know, swing on the perimeter, driving into the basket. So try to work on that. Of course, shooting is something everybody can can get better at with repetition and, and, and practice. Uh, do you have a number of shots that you try to get up uh, on a daily basis? 
Whew. Uh, and honestly, it just it depends how my body feels. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those guys that says, "Look, I need to go in there. I need to shoot you know a specific number of shots each and every day." Because you know, every every day you feel different. Some days you can do more than that. Some days you know your knee might be bugging you, your leg might be bugging you. So you gotta shoot less. So my biggest thing is to try to go in there and just make sure the work that I put in is productive. It's Harrison Barnes, our guest on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. And, of course, the getting ready for All-Star uh, weekend. You're heading for the Rising Stars competition. Uh, tell me how you heard the news and how excited are you about it? I remember I woke up in the morning and my agent said, you know, call me ASAP. Usually when I when I see that, that's it's not too good. Uh, so I was a little nervous, but, uh, you know, when I called him, uh, you know, he told me, you know, you're selected for the Rising Stars game. I just want to be the first to tell you, you know, it was, you know, it was a big deal for me just because, you know, I had so much fun there last year and, you know, being able to not only play alongside Clay, but you know, just obviously, you know, represent you know, the Warriors at All-Stars. So just be able to be selected for that again, it was, it was good. Now, you've had two of the more memorable dunks. Uh, that I've had the pleasure to call the last couple of years, the one over Pekovic last year in Minnesota. Bounce pass in traffic, good catch by David Lee. He feeds Barnes, Barnes, slam! Oh my goodness! Harrison Barnes cocked it back in the right hand and threw it down. Oh man, an elevation sensation for Barnes. And Oracle has erupted. And then that ridiculous over-the-head one in the playoffs on uh, Anthony Randolph. Here is Curry, far sideline. The Thompson to Barnes. Fakes Randolph, puts it on the floor. Oh, and the dunk! Are you kidding me? The Black Falcon flying high, throwing it down hard over his head. And Golden State leads by 12. My partner Tom Tolbert almost decimated our stat guy in Denver with a, with a forearm <laughs> shiver to his chest on that one. Uh, have you ever been in a dunk contest any level? I'm not going to lie to you. I've, I've never been in a dunk contest in my life. I was joking around with some of my teammates today that I don't even know the mental preparation that goes into a dunk contest. I mean, do I, do I go through my normal you know, pregame routine or do I just... Say, well, let me get loose real quick and try to get up at the rim. I mean, I, I really don't know what to expect. Are you going to employ any of your teammates? Maybe Ken Bazemore holding the ball up for you to take and dunk, or any, you know, the what the old uh, Blake Irving used a car. Uh, do, do any uh, any surprises for us? Well, I well I don't want to get you know people too excited, but you know I think if he's willing to, I might ask Stephen Curry to you know help me with uh, okay. one of my dunks. That's nice. If he's not too busy. I mean, he might, you know, be hoisting up, you know, a three-point trophy. You know, it might be hard to get his attention. You know, he's big time, so, you know, we'll see what happens. He's a, he's a busy man. He has places to go, people to Ooh, see, you know. Ain't that the truth. Is there is there going to be a uh, a Black Falcon dunk? <laughs> <laughs> now, that I could say no. There will not, okay. be, any, there will not oh. be any wings out there, but, uh, you know, I'll try to take flight as best <laughs> I can. You know, t this is a it, it it's a it's a I think the dunk contest is and people have like said they've kind of, you know, people go up and down on it. Some of you say, oh, it's great, oh, it wasn't that good. But I I think it's it's a it's a it to me it's always been pure fun, you know. And if you win, you win. You don't win, okay, who cares? But but it's just it's just great. And and I would imagine that uh, there's also got to be a little bit of anxiety there too because it's you know it's basically just you, and the whole league, the whole world will be watching. I wouldn't look at it that way, Tim. And I'm actually I'm excited, and I think that you know, I don't know in past years, but I think this year's group is, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, all these guys, you know, they can do all these crazy dunks. You know, I'm probably the least athletic guy in the group, so you know, I'm kind of you know, 
hoping I'm, I'm cheering for the unathletic guys, you know, have a strong showing. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, don't, I wouldn't call you unathletic. But, uh, I mean, in, in comparison to these, you know, these deluxe athletes, you know, I'm just, I'm just a happy meal. <laughs> just, just a happy meal. Oh, I'm going to use that on the air. Uh, so, I, I guess uh, in in all of that, uh, you know, you look at the the weekend. Are you going to be staying for for the game and and uh, taking it all in? Yes, I actually am going to. You know, obviously go support Steph. You know, big deal. You know, he's a starter. You know, definitely was snubbed last year, and you know, I definitely want to you know go out there and support him. What what event that you're not in are you looking forward to most of all? The event I'm looking forward to the most is probably the three-point contest. That was the one in which, you know, I, I really got into last year. And also I felt like Clay got snubbed for so I definitely want to see who wins. Yeah, I think I think I think that would be that would be one too. I think that's a the, a can't miss type of thing. I think with the Steph there and 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 uh, getting a chance to to show everybody. I mean, a lot of people don't get to see the Warriors, especially back east, because of the fact that our games are on so late. So I think I think it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, how Steph does in that situation. We're talking with Harrison Barnes here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Now let's get uh, back to the team. Uh, the unofficial second half of the season will start next Wednesday when the Warriors go up to Sacramento to take on the, the Kings. What, you know, other than health, other than getting, you know, everybody healthy and, and, uh, and on the floor, what do you think has to happen for this club to, to get to the postseason and get there on a high note? Uh, the key ingredient is consistency. You know, this team. I mean, so far, you know, we've had we've had some ups and downs, but you know, coming out coming into the second half of the season, you know, it, it starts getting serious about you know you know playoff seedings. You know, where you're going to be, where you're going to finish, how you want to finish, and obviously going to the playoffs, you want to be playing your best basketball. So, you know, the intensity is going to rise a little bit. So we have to be consistent as a team, and you know, we we can play with the best of them. We can we can beat the best of them when we play our game, but we just have to. You know, bring that consistent effort every single night, not just, you know, when the lights are bright. And how important is that consistency and that intensity to getting the team off to quick starts? It seemed like at the beginning of the year, you guys were coming out of the gate and, and, and first month, month and a half, and playing well at the beginning of games. But lately, in the last month or so, it seems like the club has been working from behind more nights than not. Yeah, I mean, whether it's, you know, starting off sluggish or whether it's, you know, mental lapses throughout the game, I mean, all of that, I mean, it's going to have to be addressed and we're going to have to get better at that because, you know, as we continue to go on through the season, it's going to be a difference between being an eighth seed, being a tenth seed, being a fourth seed, and, you know, being, you know, in the first round, you know, the second round of the Western Conference Finals, whatever it may be, you know, it, all those little things, you know, they, they add up. Harrison, when you're off the floor and you're now in your second year, and I asked Kent Bazemore this question last week, but but you're off the floor now. Are you managing time better? And if so, what what kind of things you know keep you busy? And and when you need to get your mind off the game for a couple hours, what what are you doing? <sighs> Trying to find some sleep, man. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> you know now now it's so much. Uh, you know, into your second season, you kind of are able to prioritize your time more. So you know, I. I obviously spend time reaching out to my family, you know, keeping up with my mom, my sister, talking with them, you know, always, you know, love trying new food out in the Bay Area, but the biggest thing I try to do is just make sure I get my rest. I mean, you know, we've had a 
crazy first half of the season. I feel like we've traveled more this year than we did last year. And, you know, just trying to, you know, stay up on your rest and stay healthy is, you know, things I'm trying to work on. Yeah, it does feel that way, doesn't it? I think once we get through that that one last uh, long East Coast trip, I think it'll be all downhill for us uh, as we head toward April. I'm hoping so. Keep my fingers crossed. All right. Hey, uh, Harrison, I appreciate it. You can uh, watch Harrison this weekend, the NBA All-Star Weekend, the Rising Stars Competition, and the Dunk Contest. So make sure you, you root for Harrison Barnes in those two, as well as Steph Curry in the actual All-Star game with a shootout and a three-point contest. And uh, Harrison, I guess uh, we'll say goodbye to either the Black Falcon or the Happy Meal. And uh, enjoy your All-Star Weekend. And I look forward to seeing you when the Warriors take on uh, Sacramento next week. I appreciate you having me, Tim. I'm not going to let go of that Happy Meal. You know that. Yeah, I'm going to hear that for a couple of years. <laughs> That's Harrison Barnes looking forward to the All-Star Weekend in New Orleans. I'm Tim Roy. A special treat for you. When we come back, we'll talk to the new commissioner of the National Basketball Association. That is Adam Silver. And he is next on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. <laughs> Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. i Tim Roy. Recently, David Stern stepped down as commissioner of the NBA, ending a fantastic 30-year run, in which the NBA has seen unparalleled growth. It's the second most popular sport on the planet, and certainly if you go around the world, you know the impact of the NBA. With that in mind, a very important transition from David Stern to Adam Silver, who is the new commissioner of the NBA. He's been a lawyer with the NBA for over 20 years. He knows the ins and outs of the job because he has been alongside David Stern every step of the way. Adam Silver, in his first week as commissioner, made a visit to Northern California, and he stopped by Oracle Arena. And I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with the new commissioner of the National Basketball Association. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. Tell me a, a little bit about the sequence now, because you've known about this for a long time, and, and has that made the transition of, of taking over easier for you? Yeah, much easier. It's, it's, it's been as smooth a transition as I can imagine, frankly, for any sports league, let alone any company. I've known the Board of Governors first elected me over a year ago, and so I've been working on this transition with David who I've been working for for over 20 years throughout that time, working directly with our teams, and I think everything couldn't have gone better. And uh, I've been with the league 22 years now, so I'm, a, I'm as prepared as anyone could be, but I'm learning, even in my first week, there's a big difference between being deputy commissioner and having the top job. Although the coaches always say that slide over one seat is the biggest move they make in their lives. I, I'm feeling it already. <laughs> So tell me, why is it important for you, you know, first week on the job to come out and, and come out to a place like Oracle? Well, the Bay Area is the center of the tech world, of course. It's the center of the venture capital world. And I think it's one of the great fan bases for the NBA. I hadn't been out here in a while. I had, was in Sacramento last night, obviously, Vivek Renadive, new ownership group there, you know, along with all his other partners. Exciting opportunity there. I wanted to see their site for their new arena. And then I wanted to see Peter and Joe tonight. Wanted to talk to Rick Welts, the president of the team, make sure, you know, I'm thrilled to see that everything's moving along. I know there's a little bit of a delay, but it's full steam ahead on the new arena. And you got fantastic fans here. So where else would I want to be? 
You mentioned Rick Welts, and of course next week is the All-Star Game. How instrumental was Rick in helping David Stern uh, get the All-Star Weekend to where it is now? Oh, I mean, back before I even got to the league, Rick is one of the founders of All-Star Saturday Night. You know, Rick is a legendary marketer in the league, and I think he working in partnership with David Stern, you know, is what turned it into really went All-Star, the, the game, then it became All-Star Weekend, now it's the All-Star Week, as you pointed out. You've been at Oracle uh, before. Uh, I like to call it the best atmosphere in the NBA. But of course, I'm partisan that way. But, but it, it, it's truly a great place to watch the NBA. Oh, it's fantastic. No, I love being here, and you just feel the, you can feel the, the, the vibe, the energy of the fans here. I know so many of the people here. We're in business with so many different companies located out here. Uh, we always get a warm reception out here, and you got a fantastic team, you know. I, I, you know, I've known Mark forever, Mark Jackson forever. You know, I, I, I love. You know, I know I'm getting old when I know the fathers of players on your team. So it's it's great to be here. Yeah, it happens to all of us we, if we last long enough. You mentioned the, the the center of the Tech World Silicon Valley right down the road. Uh, they've even got me on Twitter now uh, and and doing different things. Uh, what's the next step for the league that way? You know, the next step is really cultivating that audience. We know we have, on a global basis, roughly half a billion followers on social media. And in fact, I was with Facebook today, I was with Twitter, and it's really like, how do we use these tools to grow the popularity of the game? And the game is staggeringly popular worldwide. Uh, how many offices overseas now? Uh, 14 offices around the world. It, it, with On the heels of, of the growth and you know things going from millions to billions in terms of, of revenue under, under David Stern, what is on your plate as the way you see it right now in your first few months on the job? You know, first few months, I'm most focused on the game. You know, in some ways, I mean, given that we're the number one participation sport in the country, you know, it's boys, increasingly girls, I think there's even more opportunity for fans to experience this game. I mean, we recognize only a small percentage of our fans are ever going to see the game in arenas, you know, let alone be close enough to the action to really feel it the way we can here. And so the question is, using all these great social media platforms, how do we bring the game to them? Because it's this great game that people love. And there's, to me, if anything, we're underperforming in terms of our audience on television and social media, because we know people love this game. So how do we bring them closer to it? And obviously, will you be making the rounds, I guess, around the league? Yeah, I mean, this is my first stop. I mean, I wanted to be out here in my first week as commissioner. I mean, this is two markets in Sacramento and the Bay Area where we have new arenas that are on track. You know, I'm a two terrific ownership groups, so I wanted to come visit my friends out here. What, uh, what part of the NBA game as it's played today do you most enjoy? I think I most enjoy the, the speed and athleticism. You know, we made some changes in the game, you know, roughly back that committee led by Jerry Colangelo so we could really bring out the finesse. I mean, watching a player like Steph Curry, I mean, it's, it's why I love this game. Now, you've been with the league for, for 22 years. Is, is this the, the job that you, you dreamed of? You know, I, I frankly was never that ambitious. I mean, when I got to the league, I, I started working for David Stern as his assistant back 22 years ago. And I think at that point, it wasn't even something I ever considered. You know, I was I loved basketball all my life. I, I went to Duke University, but I wasn't good enough to play there. So I didn't dream in that way. And it just sort of evolved over the years. I mean, it became clear, you know, after I'd been with the league for, you know, well over a decade that maybe it was something I could begin to dream about but when I first got to the league I was still just in awe of being part of this enterprise and it's gone from there. At what point did you know that you were next one up? You know not until it happened I mean back 
you know, roughly a year and a half ago, around there, you know, David organized sort of the transition process, and I, as I got to know the owners better over the years, Peter Holt, uh, owner of the San Antonio Spurs, was chairman of the board. Glenn Taylor, you know, was very influential, owner of the Timberwolves, and there was a process where I met with a committee of owners and went around the league meeting with other owners, and, you know, I, they went with the inside guy. Well, it's, it's great to have you here. We hope that you are a frequent visitor to Oracle in, in your tenure, and, and uh, best of luck. It is a great game, and, and we're all thrilled that you're on board and, and leading us into the, the future, so to speak. Thank you. It's great to be here. Most agree. The NBA will be just fine with Adam Silver at the controls, although it will be a different tenure than that of David Stern. Hey, Metro PCS and the Warriors have teamed up to offer fans special pricing for select Warriors games. Stop by any participating Bay Area Metro PCS store to pick up your voucher today for complete details, including the list of participating locations, go to warriors.com slash metro PCS. I'll answer your questions on Warriors Vox, plus a conversation with Michael Wilbon of ESPN when we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Splash another one. Steph Curry from distance, his seventh three-pointer of the game. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Vox. Time now to answer your questions on Twitter at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or you can send me an email to the Warriors website. That's Tim Roy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. Coming up in just a moment, our conversation with ESPN's Michael Wilbon, longtime sports columnist who has covered the NBA going back a number of years. But our first question tonight comes from Arvin's Under, who wants to know, I think Andre guarded LeBron well. He just made an unreal shot. Do you think there was a defensive breakdown on that last play? No, I don't. Last night after the game, Tom Tolbert and I talked about it. We did bring up the fact you could try to double him. But would you rather have LeBron take a fadeaway, contested three-point shot with Iguodala right in his face with a hand up, giving him something else to look at, or give Chalmers or Cole or someone else an uncontested mid-range shot to tie or maybe an open three uh, to win the game? I think the Warriors played it as well as they could, and there's really only you know one guy, maybe two, if you count Kevin Durant, that could have made that play to win the game with Andre Iguodala draped all over him. So you know, tip your hat to LeBron James and move on. It was a game where the Warriors could take some positive things out of it, and they can find some things to build on uh, as they start the unofficial second half of the season next Wednesday night in Sacramento. Always try to answer as many of your tweets as I can at Warriors Vox and your emails at the Warriors website at Timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. Right now, though, we start the conversation with Michael Wilbon of ESPN and uh, PTI. He was in town to watch the Warriors play the Chicago Bulls recently. We have our conversation, which drifted from uh, some of the great players in Washington, D.C. history where he lives, also Chicago where he grew up, and his love for watching the Golden State Warriors. Welcome to the Bay Area. Great to see you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. I need the Warriors to keep winning so I can come and cover some playoff series. We were just talking before we started the interview. You get a chance to watch the Warriors a lot. A whole lot, like every game. Like. You know, the one great thing about being, one of the great things about being on the East Coast, if you're a late-night animal, I get in and I try to watch West Coast games that start, you know, at 10.30 Eastern time, and it's great because I can really keep up with the Trailblazers and Warriors. So there's no excuse for some late-night creatures in the East not to see West Coast teams. Well, we're always the last game when we're at home. We're always the last game play, so you always bank on that. 
Yeah, and I've enjoyed it. It becomes must-see TV. I mean, really, the games have been so exciting. It's not like that's a surprise to me. I And I, I my rooting interest, my the first person to get me started with broadcast life in the NBA is Mark Jackson. Oh, wow, okay. So starting when Mark got the job, and I remember talking to him, coming in, and, you know, I told him then, I said, I'm going to have my, my Warrior jersey on underneath stuff because I'm rooting for him. You know, this business is very personal. You root for your friends. And uh, so it's easy to root for. And it is. The, the, the Warriors and Trailblazers, I think, are the most fun teams to watch in the NBA this season. Give me your thoughts on Steph Curry. We know it's interesting with Steph Curry having gone to school at Davidson and having, you know, known his dad and covered the league when his dad was in it. But living out in D.C. where I where I do, I saw a lot of Steph Curry at Davidson. We had him on PTI when he was a, when he was a college player, and I always thought he'd be really good. And you know, there was such a referent, there was such a, a difference of opinion on Steph. Well, is he going to be able to get that shot off? Can he handle it well enough to be a point guard? And I, I just I'm not going to sit here and tell you I thought he'd necessarily be a an all-star and a first-team player. But I thought he'd be a, a contributing and really good player. Of course, he's turned out to be a great player, and he's easy to root for as well. It's just a, you know, some fun teams to watch. And with him and with Damian Lillard uh, running the point right now out in the Western Conference, that's one reason why I can't think of two better teams to watch. Now, we've seen the, the Wizards twice. We've seen Charlotte twice. Toronto's playing better. Is the East starting to maybe get a little bit better? Yeah. And you name the teams out East that are. I fully expect the Wizards to finish in third place in the East. And nobody was mentioning them for third place. And you shouldn't have been. If Derrick Rose is healthy, that's probably not the case. The Knicks got off such a bad start. But I don't see the Knicks and Nets necessarily catching up and, and playing on some, you know, 650 percentage pace going. I, I think the Wizards, with John Wall playing like he is, um, have figured out what they're doing to a degree now they're going to run into veteran teams and aren't just going to let them play to their advantages a lot of nights but I think the Wizards uh, and Toronto I, I must admit there I saw there are people who picked Toronto to make the playoffs at the start of the year I didn't get it yes. and they were right and I was wrong and slowly but surely now we're seeing the strengths that Charlotte has and some of their young players starting to play like veterans as well you know Toronto they're just a great example of what chemistry can do for a team it is because you, you you look at the parts and you go okay well they're not ready yet they need this they need that and they didn't need they didn't you know they sort of remind me of some of those Warriors teams from a few years ago one of the Warriors teams that finished eighth and wanted to beat in Dallas and Toronto you know is playing a little bit better than that now they're certainly not going to be anybody's eighth in a bad Eastern Conference but the Wizards have the lineup that I think if you just look at just man for man could they give Indiana at least an effort because they push them a little bit and make them win games late in fourth quarters if they played in the playoff series? Yes, because of Nene and because of John Wall and because of Bradley Beal, a, a player that I guess most most folks out west don't know that well. But Bradley Beal's a heck of a two guard, and so they got the Wizards have got some talent. But it's it's still so much better, much much more fun watching the Western Conference. And of course, this year in the Hall of Fame. A uh, guy that had time here with the Warriors, also time at D.C., Bernard King. And uh, I bring him up just because he was so much fun to watch the player and so so gracious after the NBA. You know, I ran into Bernard uh, this fall, and it was great talking to him about certain players. You know, some players drift away, as you know, from the game, and they don't necessarily watch it in great detail. Bernard's not one of those guys. He does. He's still watching it in great detail, and it's fun talking to him. And I, 
like you. He's a couple of years older than me, and I remember getting to watch Bernard when I was, I don't know, in, the, in college. And then I got to, to cover him a bit when he was with the Wizards, then trying to come back, dragging one leg around. You know, he had lost so much of what he'd been, but he could still went to the Garden in a Wizards uniform, I guess a Bullets uniform then, and scored 50. And you're like, wow, you know, suppose, you know, that he had had benefit of these rules where you couldn't hand check, you couldn't push, you couldn't use an arm bar. No telling how many points Bernard King will score. Now, you grew up in Chicago, correct? I did. Okay. So, uh, there'll be a guy here tonight who played for both the Warriors and the Bulls, one of my all-time favorites, Nate Thurman. Nate Thurman, you know, was such a part, a big part, of course, those seasons, the traded for the Bulls to Golden State, of course, and uh, it's been fun for me getting to know him a little bit, hear some stories, some war stories about those mid-70s teams that were so great that he played on. My high school coach used to call me Norm because I had a hot temper after Norm Van Leer. <laughs> but now you're talking about my idols, Van Leer and Sloan, and uh, I, I enjoyed growing up, you know, watching those guys, and, um, you know, it's interesting because this team sort of plays in that temperament. You know, this team plays in, in, in the mold of, of that team with uh, Tom Thibodeau reminding more than a few people uh, of Dick Mata. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Jerry Sloan and those teams had toughness. Even when they weren't talented enough, uh, they get to the conference finals and, of course, famously losing the Western Conference Finals in seven games to the Warriors. I was at game six and got my heart crushed as a kid wow. Wow. at that game in the old Chicago Stadium. Uh, we thought the Bulls were going to get to the finals by winning game six on Mother's Day. Mother's Day Massacre. Yeah. Michael Jordan got tired of hearing of that until he broke through. Tired of hearing about Golden State winning that game. So that's, that was a big disappointment for some of us. But, yeah, those those teams, uh, those this Bulls team and that Bulls team, uh, team very reminiscent in some ways. Tell me, uh, other than the Warriors and the Blazers you've talked about, but who are other players or teams that when, yeah, maybe you have to make an appointment, you, you make sure you keep track of them? Well, the Pacers. I mean, because, you know, it, it's really uh, the, the obsession right now back east is can the Pacers, do they have enough? Can they unseat Miami as conference champion? And, you know, for the longest, I was simply, I'm a guy who believes in the incumbent. And there's no reason as long as LeBron James is healthy. You know they're resting Dwayne Wade looking with an eye toward the playoffs. Why am I going to go against that? But you know what? I, until last night when Miami went out and beat the Clippers in Los Angeles, I started to think in the last two or three weeks that the Pacers have just, they look like a better team. Now you got to do, you still got to beat Miami four times. But this latest move where, you know, they go out and they get a seven-footer as insurance and also keep him away from Miami and Hibbert's playing well. I, you know, right now, we were voting. If this was like college sports, we were voting on a top 20 poll. I'd, I'd say the Pacers rated a slight edge. But... I don't know that I want to take that to Vegas yet and bet on anybody beating Miami. But that's in the East right now. That really is. There are only two teams to watch in the East. And that's when I'm happy when 1030 Eastern time rolls around. I can turn on my uh, my my satellite dish and, and watch the Western Conference. Well, you're definitely the, the better-looking guy on PTI. We, we, <laughs> but we, we really enjoy that show and your work and your sports writing. Uh, continued success and, and uh, keep writing stuff about the NBA. Well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I guess the league has sort of stuck with me for a while. I don't have that many talents where I can go do other stuff. I just want to get a few more trips out here, so I got to see what Mark, ja- my, my old friend Mark Jackson, and uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and the guys can do about that. Best of luck. Thanks for having. Me. 
Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand rim racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. At halftime of the game against Philadelphia, Golden State Warriors guard Stephen Curry received the NBA's Kia Community Assist Award for January in recognition of his generosity and ongoing charitable efforts in the Bay Area community and worldwide. The award was presented by NBA Cares Ambassador Bob Lanier, the Hall of Famer, the big left-hander out of St. Bonaventure, who starred for Detroit and Milwaukee in his NBA career. I had the pleasure of sitting down with the former Warriors interim head coach for a chat, which we aired at halftime of the Philadelphia game. Here is the complete conversation with Bob Lanier, including his work with NBA Cares, as well as his Hall of Fame basketball career. Pleasure to be welcomed by Hall of Famer Bob Lanier as we are talking about an award he's going to hand out at halftime to Warriors guard Steph Curry. It's the Kia Community Assist Award. And, and uh, Bob, first of all, uh, welcome back to the Bay Area. Well, it's nice to be back. I see a lot of people still working at the arena that I used to know when I was working here with Don Nelson. Tell me about the, the Kia Community Assist Award. And, and we know uh, from having to deal with Steph on a day-in, day-out basis just what a, a great guy he is and, and how unselfish he is with his time and his efforts. But, but tell us a little bit about this award. Well, the award really uh, is for young people that play in our game that epitomize the values that David Robinson had when he played and both on the court and off the court. Uh, the things that Stefan has done uh, in this community for a young man are astounding to me. Um, his his whole thing with this kid Anthony from March of Dimes that he gave him a, a bunch of gifts and brought him over and made him a special place in the locker room. He, uh, he brings kids to Curry's Corner, kids that, are, that he can just talk to and share time with that is really beneficial. He is a, a person that kind of gets it, gets it early. He's well-rooted. He's not only professional on the floor because um, he's a marvelous athlete. We all see that. We, we know he's grounded well. But to think that you use your celebrity for the greater good is the more important thing that I think um, that I see in him right now. And I know he's going to have a long history of doing this, and we want other players and, and people, young people to emulate his behavior. Not only with Make-A-Wish, he helped feed uh, over 400 families during our season of giving around the holidays. Uh, even in the off season, when a lot of players are working on their game or just, just hanging out, he went over to Africa with his, his Nets campaign. And, and, right. and that, to me, not just to raise the money to get the Nets, but just to go over there and help install them. Well, it's a great situation because he, he for every three-point shot he takes he buys three nets that he gives to take over there he works in conjunction with the united nations foundation and nothing but nets the nba nothing but nets program and you know how important that is to people over in africa to fight malaria that that's really important and then to take the time the special time to go over there uh is phenomenal absolutely phenomenal how important is it to you to be with this part of the NBA? Well, I was rooted on this part of the NBA. My mom's uh, had me doing philanthropic stuff when I was a young boy in church. Uh, and, and I used to do it then because we wanted a good meal. You know, the <laughs> biscuits and eggs and stuff and cornbread <laughs> were really good at that time. Um, so when players come in the league, one of the first things we have them do in, in our rookie transition, besides talking to them about 
their journey in basketball, one of their parts of their journey is social responsibility. And so we have them do social responsibility initiatives early on so that they get uh, a kind of feel as to what is in our DNA and what we expect of them. And so if you continue to talk to them about philanthropic service early and often uh, and, and get them involved with things that they want to do, you know, you sit and listen and talk to them. All of our CR people all around the country, they do that. They, they sit and talk and they try to kind of blend them with the things that they want to do. You mentioned that uh, coming back here you see some familiar faces. What do you remember about your time here? I remember that it was real rough. We had a terrible team, <laughs> and I used to beat myself up so much thinking, why did the Lord put me in this position? It was really tough because uh, Fitzy left. Fitzy was the one that brought me here, who was the owner at the right. time, and they sold the team, and then Nellie left, and, you know, Dan Fanan left. I was like the only one left dangling, so uh, Mr. Cohan took me out of my misery. You were a, a great player, Hall of Famer, as I mentioned, and, and uh, I had a chance to hear an interview you did with Nate Thurman about big guys. Uh, tell me a, a little bit about Nate because oh, he's a player that is such a special place in the hearts of our fans. Well, I, I never played against Bill Russell. Uh, matter of fact, I, I, I told Bill Russell one time when I was talking to him, I said, I used to dream about playing against you. He said, Bob, that wasn't a dream. That was a nightmare you had. <laughs> but the greatest defensive player that I played against was no question Nate Thurman. I mean, and if Bill Russell was better than him, I, 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 I probably would have dreaded it. And what made him so special is that he could affect your jump shot. I, I used to have a pretty good 15, 16-foot jump shot. He could be away from you, and, and you pump fake him and then go around him, and you're laying it up in the basket, and he could extend and come around you and block your shot. I mean, he had phenomenal quickness. He had great long arms. He had athleticism. Uh, he was just an absolutely terrific player. You were on the, the middle and toward the end of what I call the great age of NBA centers. So many great guys in the pivot you know, when you were playing and, and you, missed, you missed Russell but Chamberlain was there and Willis Reed and so on and so forth. Why do you think that has gone away? You know, I think they stopped teaching the skill. Like when I was coming along, and I know Kareem and all of the great centers that I played against, Willis Reed, whoever it was, um, they taught post-up moves. Uh, I was taught by a guy, Laurie Alexander, when I was 12, 13 years old, working on your footwork, working on your post-up moves, up and under, all those kind of things. Um, they just don't teach the skill anymore. Kids are used to coming out at 12, 13, 14, playing AAU ball, shooting long jumpers, utilizing their athleticism. And you got to look at these kids today. I mean, they, they just are freak athletes. You know, you look at Stefan, Kevin Durant, LeBron. You know, these are just freak athletes that, that can do anything. What was uh, the guy that maybe gave you the most trouble? And you were obviously an outstanding scorer and, and, and player in your own right. Well, it was obviously Nate Thurman. <laughs> Nate. Um, he played against Wilt, though, at the end of his career. Yeah, at the end of his career. So he wasn't thinking about trying to, you know, defend a lot and pick and rolls and all that. And when you went outside, he didn't want to kind of tread out there and get embarrassed. So he let you get your jumper off. Uh, and he wasn't thinking about dominating in the hole. Right. You know, 
he would have broken people's arms and stuff and really certainly would have messed with me back then. So I was happy he was at the end of his career, just like Moses and them came around when I was at the end of my career, you know. So they were hard to deal with when, when you're a young man like that. You played in those uh, Detroit Pistons teams and then end up in, in Milwaukee, and, and you guys had some nice teams there. We had nice teams in Milwaukee. I mean, the difficult part of it for me was when um, I got to Milwaukee, I almost had I had nine coaches my first ten years in the league, uh, which caused me – I couldn't carry a team when I got to Milwaukee. I was a great asset to a team, but I, I really – wish that we had the power forward that we lost, which was Dave Myers. The first year after I got there, he retires. Can't minister. He's a, yeah, well, his wife was a Jehovah's Witness, and he was really into religion. God bless him for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it caused a hurt on our team that we never could get around because we'd run into Philly one year, and they would be great, and then lose to Boston, and run into Boston and lose to Philly the next year. So we were just like a man down from being able to be – uh, championship caliber we were close that close but we had to play perfectly to, to win and they didn't have to play perfectly to beat us I looked up one of the years you guys won 50 something games and didn't make the playoffs I was going, how could that be possible well <laughs> I think that that was when I was with the Pistons we had the fourth best record in the league and it couldn't make the playoffs because we're in that tough division with it was Milwaukee Chicago and, and, and us in the black and blue division they used to call it because it was the bruiser division Bob, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I remember uh, hearing about you when you played at St. Bonaventure there in a little town called Olean, New York. I grew yeah. up in Connecticut and, and uh, followed your career throughout, and it's just great to have you around the NBA all the time. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Join the Warriors for Social Media Night next Thursday, February 20th, when the Warriors take out the Houston Rockets. Buy your tickets and have the chance to receive a Twitter-themed shooting shirt rally towel courtesy of eSurance. Plus, enjoy contests and giveaways via Facebook and Instagram throughout the night. Buy your tickets early and save at warriors.com slash dynamic. Well, it's been a great show here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We'll wrap it up and look ahead to All-Star Weekend and next week's schedule as we continue on KMBR 680 the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two, runner, right hand flip on the rim and down! Draymond Green! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues with the upcoming broadcast. Brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Warriors lose to the Miami Heat last night, so their record at the All-Star break is 31-22. and And they get ready for what will hopefully be a great second half of the season. Now, next Tuesday night, we have the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. That will kick off the unofficial second half of the season and get you ready for the game Wednesday night at Sacramento when the Warriors take on the Kings. Now Thursday night on February 20th, the back end of that back-to-back, the Warriors are home to take on the Houston Rockets. It's social media night brought to you by eSurance and the pregame show starts at 7 o'clock and then Saturday, February 22nd, the only Bay Area appearance of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and the Brooklyn Nets That's Saturday, February 22nd at 7 o'clock. There are limited tickets available for those games, so go online at warriors.com or by calling one 888 gst Hoop.
I want to thank all of our guests, including Harrison Barnes, who will represent the Warriors in the Rising Stars competition, all part of All-Star Weekend in New Orleans. And, of course, Steph Curry will also represent as your starting Western Conference All-Star. He is certainly looking forward to, to that, as well as the Shooting Stars competition, where he will pair up with his dad, Del Curry, and also Becky Hammond of the San Antonio squad of the WNBA. Steph will also round out his All-Star Weekend by trying to capture the three-point shootout. So the Golden State Warriors will be well represented this weekend in New Orleans. I, Tim Roy, thanking the producer who always says goodbye, R.C. Davis. Dave Feldhouse at the controls at KMBR 680. And, of course, right now, Ray Woodson is awaiting your calls and comments about NBA All-Star Weekend, 808 KMBR, the talk to Ray Woodson. Saying goodnight for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We'll talk to you next to Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable again on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala, right to Clay Thompson, back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the rim, and he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.